Hey everybody, what's going on? This is the promised episode zero. I had thought that this episode was lost to the sands of time, but Soraya over at Where Did the Road Go managed to download it before our server went down. Um, I tried to, but it was gone and wouldn't let me download it, so Soraya sent this over to me. Um, a little bit of background on this. Myself and Lobo had only talked maybe a couple of times before this. We didn't know each other really beforehand. We had talked on Skype and then on phone. And I said, I've got an idea for a show that I want to do. And it was primarily because all of the shows that we listened to were either no longer podcasting or were in the process of fading away. Mysterious Universe was gone at the time. Ben had quit, I think, somewhere around episode 95 or something like that. And then he had gone on a, a few years hiatus before he came back with his show. Um, TJ over the 13 Skulls was in the process of fading. He was getting out of podcasting. I think Erie Radio was also in the process of fading out before they came back. Um, a whole slew of other shows, but those are the ones that were the biggest influence on us at the time. So I contacted him and said, hey, um, I've got this software and I've got some hosting and, you know, do you, do you want to do a podcast? And he said, sure. And we shot around a few ideas and I said, all right, well, we'll talk, I guess, next Saturday night. Sat down and pressed record. We had no idea what the hell we were doing at all. I didn't know how to mix. I didn't know how to produce. We had terrible equipment. I had a really crappy four-channel mixer that was part of a four-track recorder that just plugged into the back of the computer with, with some wires that I had spliced together with some electrical tape. It was really, really rough. And you'll hear it. I think Lobo, I think he had a headset mic. I don't remember. He said in the last episode what he had. But um, we just uh, kind of held our nose and jumped into the deep end and went at it. And seven, seven and a half, eight years later, we're still going at it. Now, most podcasts try to bury their old stuff because it sounds terrible. Um, we're not I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I think it's funny. It's really funny to listen to. And it does make me cringe when I hear it. But, um, you know, here it is. And it's just something to listen to if you guys want to listen to it over the holidays. And uh, the Christmas um, call-in experiences show, I guess for a lack of a better word, should be up next week. And we will see all you guys after the holiday break. Happy holidays and peace. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here.
the carriage, the airplane, the telephone, the electric light, vitamins, radio, and even television. And now some of us laugh in outer space. All right, let's roll on this pig. Do you wanna do you wanna be the first one here to start the show and say hello to everybody out there on the interwebs? Or uh... I imagine it'd be you. This is your baby. This is my baby. I've had my moment of glory. <laughs> <laughs> hello, everybody. This is Rojan, and this is Lobo, and welcome to the um, I guess what will be considered the primer episode of Project Archivist, and we're here tonight to uh, basically give you an idea of what we're doing and what to expect. And this is kind of a, a testing for us to see how well things Joe and to see how well stuff posts up on the internet and all that fun stuff. So this isn't really an official episode. We're just kind of here screwing around and giving you guys a feel for what we're looking to do. All right, Lobo, I guess uh, most of everybody, uh, probably a lot of the fans that are here right now have heard me on the 13 Skulls recording Anomalous. I guess why don't you tell people about yourself a little bit or tell, you know, what take on all this is or, you know, give us a little bit of background about you. Well, I'm... Uh... Like I stated, name's Lobo. I've had call-ins before through the 13 Skulls and Eerie Radio and, you know, just all-around paranormal websites and uh, podcasts. Yeah, where do you start? I mean, I've been I've been involved with uh, the uh, paranormal slash esoteric since I was a little kid, like literally a little kid. I can um, relate. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, been fascinated with uh, anything and everything that's just outside the norm, whether it be from um, – Fringe sciences to uh, you know just a straight up hardcore um, paranormal. I mean, within reason. You know, I, I still have a skeptical bend to me in certain. So I'm not going to take everything that's said with, with you know, like oh my god, it's real. You know, I, I want I want proof to a certain degree, and I want mm-hmm. uh, I want uh, I want some thought to be put into things. This is what I'm you know trying to say. I, I, I my whole life I've been trying to make people think about um, not just existence, but what people's you know spin on things is. I mean, yeah. I'm, I, wouldn't consider myself a junkie by any means, but I do. When I do find something that I'm interested in, I uh, I pretty much run it to ground and bury it, trying to find information on it. I've been called a pit bull and I've been called a bulldog when it comes to trying to find information. So that's, I don't know, and I'm an all-around chucklehead. So that's a lot of my same take. That's kind of what that's what I wanted to do with this show. I didn't want to. I don't want to impart my beliefs onto anybody. I want to give people as much information I can about different things. And let people make their own judgment based on about what they find. And hopefully when we talk about things, people will want to go out and look into what we said and maybe find out, hey, you said something wrong on your show. And if, and if we've said something wrong and people find out about it and they correct us about it, well, that's cool because that means we've done our job and we've interested people enough to go out and look and check things out. Absolutely. Um, and another thing that we want to do here is we're going to talk about paranormal things, of course. We're not going to talk about a lot of crazy conspiracy theories. I'm not really into the whole chemtrails thing. <laughs> nah, I think I'm there's enough into, of that out there now. Yeah, I'm not into uh, ufological politics. I'm not into the whole disclosure thing, and I'm not because, you know, it's these things have been beaten to death and into the ground. Yes, we will probably cover UFOs. Yes, we will cover ghosts. But we're also going to cover cool aspects of things in science that are right out on the edge. And different sciences that you might not hear about on normal, regular television shows and television news and things like that. We're going to try to keep it to where people, we're going to dumb it down to people so they can understand it. That's not to say that our fans are stupid. Um, it's to <laughs> say we that, that we want to make it entertaining for you. We want to make it enjoyable. So... Tonight we're going to try to keep the show relatively short and just bounce around with a few topics and tell people about stuff. 
Loeb, I would say you're more of, I think between the two of us, I think you're more of the scientifically uh, uh, approached guy. You're, you're into a lot of more of the scientific and um, biological things, I guess. I would, I would venture to say that's probably a correct assumption. And I'm yes. more into the paranormal and the uh, UFOs and things like that. But we do have a lot of common ground on this stuff. It's just that you're, you seem to lie more in one area and I seem to lie more in the other. But mm-hmm. we both seem to know a lot about what each other are talking about. Absolutely. So we also want to talk about aspects of spiritualism. Something that we've been kicking around is we're going to do a show in the future about shamans. And we're trying to find somebody to do it with us. And we're going to talk about things like, okay, we all have heard about a shaman, but what really is a shaman? So we're going to try to get a, a Native American person on here to actually tell us what a shaman is. And what are the differences between tribes and a shamanism and what it means to be a shaman. Things like that. You know, just exploring different aspects of, of, I guess, of everything in the world that we deal with. If you're here looking for a pure hardcore science show, you might not want to listen to it. And if you're here looking for a pure hardcore paranormal show, this might not be what you want to listen to. But if you can meet a middle ground and you can come to us with an open mind and kind of go with us on this, not to steal a line from Seder. Well, yes, to steal a line from Seder from <laughs> Transmissions of the Bunker. <laughs> just uh, just go with us on this and let's see where it goes. Let's see where Absolutely. it goes. Oh, and another thing is we're also we're we're going to try to do interviews. We are going to do interviews. We're not going to do interviews all the time because we don't want to be a purely interview show. You may hear guest hosts on here because me, mm. myself, and Lobo, we are family men. We do have kids. We have jobs. Some of us have more jobs than others. Some of us have more kids than others. <laughs> wink, so wink, nod, res- nod. Yeah, really. <laughs> so we do have responsibilities outside of the show. So from time to time, you might not hear me here. Uh, you might not hear Lobo here. It's not a big deal, which I think to myself, it's good to mix things up every once in a while and to change hosts every once in a while. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things I wanted to cover. And the other thing is I need to send a big shout out to stars over at the Crossroads podcast for making our logo for us. She sweated a uh, tooth and nail over it to get our logo up for us. And we really do appreciate it. Yeah, it looks um, awesome. Is there anything else we wanted to say? Oh, yes. You're going to hear us make reference to lots of other podcasts that uh, we listen to. A lot of shows don't talk about other podcasts, and we are. And not all of them are going to be paranormal-oriented, because we I listen to a lot of different shows, and Lobo listens to a lot of different shows. And there's a lot of shows out there that we're friends with. And when you look at it, none of us are really making money in this, and we're kind of all a big family. I've already mentioned the Transmissions from the Bunker podcast, because Sater's been really instrumental in helping me get this up. Yeah. Uh, Calypso. 13th Skull. Yeah, the 13 Skulls. Um, God, I can't even begin to thank TJ. Enough. ADHD, the, yeah. I mean, Calypso and Fizz. I mean, yes, the guys that we listen to. Great resource you know? for me for shooting ideas off of. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to hear us talk about other podcasts from time to time. If you go and listen to those podcasts and you don't like them and it's not your cup of tea, that's fine. You know, it's it's not a big deal. We're, you know, and don't, don't judge us and go, oh, these guys like this show. I'm not sure if I like them, but. Well, they can judge me if you want. (laughs) I believe in supporting people that support us. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, Judge Lobo. Anything that's That's wrong with the show, it's Lobo's fault. It's it. It's me. So, yeah, you know, we we listen to a lot of other shows and stuff, and we support people that support us, and we support the podcasting community, and we're all kind of tied together in one way or another. But you're definitely going to hear – you're going to hear us talk about other shows from time to time. I think that's everything. Oh, yes, payment and things like that. We are going to keep (laughs) this show free because what were you saying, Lobo? I don't know what was I saying. Information wants to be free. Absolutely. Um, Information always wants to be freed. And part of what we want to do is uh, we want to make this information available to people so that the, uh, you know, if nothing else, it'll make you think. Yes. I will from time to time, probably more time than not, beg you for money when we eventually get some (laughs) kind of a PayPal thing set up. If you don't want to donate to us, that's perfectly fine. That's totally cool. I don't expect people to donate to us. 
when I say, hey, could you donate to the show or whatever? If you can't do it, that's totally cool. There's a lot of shows that I listen to that have premium membership subscriptions, and I simply can't afford to pay them as much as I wish that I could. And that's right. just how it is, you know. Um, so we're going to have, you know, eventually I'm going to have PayPal button up. And the money, if anybody does donate and we do start taking donations, the money will go back towards the show. It's not going to go out to buy beer or anything like that. No beer? Oh, wait, I don't drink. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's going to go to pay for like servers and microphones and things like that and web hosting and all that fun stuff because stuff gets expensive. But that's down the road. We may eventually sell back episodes. Well, I'm going to try to keep a good selection of them up there. But when they start piling up, I'm going to yank them down. And I might start selling back episodes for like 99 cents an episode, which I don't think is a bad price. That's a fair, no. that's a fair price for an episode. But again, sure, this stuff not? is down the road. All right, now that we've babbled on and we've kind of explained everything, <laughs> there's so much stuff I wanted to get out of the way, and I wanted to get it all up front so everybody knows we're going into it. Um, right. Okay, back over to you. You had had a story that you brought up. And you I did. And you're from Connecticut. So. I am. I think I might be one of the very few people that are from Connecticut. Every time <laughs> I put something out there you know, on any of the shows that either one of us listen to, you know, I'll send in an email or I'll, I'll do a call in and I, I tell them where I'm from. And they're like, you know, there's like no one else on the forums or else from Connecticut. I feel like I'm my own little island here. <laughs> no, I mean, there was at one point I was I was talking to another one of the shows that's based in uh, New Jersey. And, and I was Lobo, the not so evil Master Mason from Connecticut. And I was the only one, you know, no one else stepped up to the plate and said they were from Connecticut. Maybe they just didn't want to admit they were from here. But, uh, yeah, I'm, apparently I'm all alone here. So what do you got for us? Well, I have a I have a, um, a little article. It's on uh, ghostvillage.com, and it's about Dudley Town. It's uh, a town that's here in the northwest corner of Connecticut. Uh, the name of the town comes from the family. They were the name of the family was the Duds. They were from um, they were from England, you know, like most people are mm-hmm. back at this time. Colon- yeah, Connecticut was a colonial county. Absolutely. Well, the, the town I'm from was actually um, settled in 1670. You know, 100 years before we even were a country. Yeah, this the, the town is uh, it's 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 called D- Dudley Town, and it's um, kind of like a little side juncture of a town to uh, Cornwall, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and uh, it's up in the woods. There's a curse on the town. You know, everybody's going to be rolling their eyes at this point. Oh, a curse. But there's actually some validity to the curse that was made. The curse was made 400 years ago in Britain. And the curse included King Henry VIII, Horace Greeley, German uh, General Herman Swift, and General George Washington were people that were uh, tied to this town. What's There's, the um, What's the background of the curse? To To do you know the story the story behind well, the curse and what initiated? Here's the thing. I will read you a excerpt right from the article. It, the headline is the curse. It says all Dudleys can trace their heritage back to a Saxon named Dud, D U D D who was uh, titled Duke of Mercia and died in 1725. It was Dud's land that would eventually become the site of the Dudley Castle. An old English word uh, for land is lay. So the area of the area was called Dud's Lay. Many centuries later, when taking the surname became necessary, some people took the name based on the occupation, such as Smith or Baker, and others took the surname based on the land they came from, i.e. Dudley. Mm -hmm. The short curse was... um, I'm going to start paraphrasing now because there's a lot of information here. That's real long. Let's see. The curse of Dudley Town began in England in 1510. Edmund Dudley was beheaded for a plot to overthrow King Henry VIII. That's a big deal. I mean, you really think about during that period of time, if you were going to try to overthrow a leader of state, I mean, that was huge. Except, you know, you try to overthrow the president here, you're either a Democrat or Republican. (laughs) You You know, you tried to do it then. You know, you got killed. 
dead. The uh, the curse was placed on the Dudleys for treason. The Dudleys came over here. Dudleys came here. Now this is this is what's messed up. One of the gentlemen that came here was born in Surrey and moved here from England on September 11th, 1608. He was on a ship headed for America on June 8th, 1639. They came to Connecticut, and then uh, the people that were there at the actual branch that moved to Dudley Town are from a gentleman named Joseph Dudley, who uh, was born in September 14th of 1674, and the dude had 12 kids. That's where the uh, that's where the curse stems from. It all started back with the family in 1725 or 725. So the, the Duds family, the original Duds family, were the ones that tried to uh, tried to have the king killed. Yep, Edmund Dudley. He was beheaded for trying to overthrow the uh, the king of England. So the king of England was who actually was the one that imparted the curse? Yep, which is messed up. I mean, most of the times you hear of, you know, like somebody outside the pale usually throwing the curse on somebody. Yeah, you don't hear kings throwing curses around. No, not really. That's not something that you usually hear. But I mean, if you really look at that time period, because you would think that they would be like burned as a heretic or a witch. But then again, it's the king. Yeah, but you're the king. king. Exactly. Exactly. You know, well, the king's a witch. We need to burn him. Yeah, you go try that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, the actual the actual town was put into institution in 1745. So, were the duds the people that were they the ones that initiated the town, or was it just because they happened to live at the town that the curse fell onto it? No, it was the Dudleys that did it. Dudleys were the ones that brought the curse to the town. They're the yeah, they're the family that brought the curse to the town. Yep. Okay. The curse was actually laid on the Dudley family by the king, and they're the ones who left England to come here to make a better life. I'll move right down to when the trouble began. According to this article, it was in August of 1774. An epidemic broke through the area. It was in the the household of I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. I have never seen a name <laughs> anything like that. His last name was Carter. Adoniram Carter. Okay. A bunch of different people got involved with the town. The Dudleys are the ones who started it. That's where the name came from, but people came into this town and settled with them. So it wasn't just the Dudleys that were quote-unquote cursed. It was this whole community of people that had come over here and settled. And the tragedies didn't start right away. You know, it was, you know, a few years living here, living in the town that, you know, things started falling apart. You know, and and they didn't just like fall apart like well somebody died and numerous people died lots of people died people went stark raving mad they couldn't grow anything there's different different theories as to what what caused the problem so did all this happen over a couple years span of time or was this no this happened over quite a few years Dudley Town was completely deserted by 1899 but somebody bought property there in 1920 and then the stuff hit the fan again. And it was a completely different family that had no affiliation with the original group that was here. So it, it's not just the person that it was attached to. It has to be the property that has. So it's the property that was originally owned by the Duds. Or Dudleys. By the Dudleys. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. But see, the thing is, is like like all cursed areas, there's usually other information that leads to what was causing these problems. It's a great thing to think that, oh, this curse is valid. And, and on some levels, it really is. You know, if, if think about it, if you were living during that period of time and your herd dies off and you're like, all right, well, maybe it got a case of what, you know, hoof and mouth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you go and you get more animals and then they die off again. OK, things start getting a little scary. And then every single time you go back to get more animals, they continually die. It starts looking really bad. And the first thing that comes to mind that is something well, in the water. <laughs> well, that's the thing. There was something in the water. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a theory of high lead concentrate in the water there. And that would explain some of the people going nuts 
It would also explain the animals dying off. I mean, animals have a higher tolerance for heavy metals than we do. Yeah. But in the same token, if you got to figure that if there's a cow on the field and they're drinking, you know, 30 gallons of water a day or, you know, throughout the span of a week, they're drinking 30, 40 gallons of water and they're drinking the same tainted water that we are at eight glasses of water a day. And that in turn goes into their milk. Absolutely. So you got it's coming from you at all different angles. It was in certain instances, this area where they're trying to grow food and stuff at one point was known as a blasted heath. I mean, they, they couldn't grow stuff. You know, the Native Americans came in and tried to tried to help them out, and it just didn't didn't seem like anything that was being done was helping at all. Now, the town itself, the property of land, is still there. There's mm-hmm. no houses there. There's no. It's it's a nature preserve now. Mm-hmm. You you. I mean, you get fined if you go on this property now. The last people that were there was in 1920. This do, this gentleman named well, he was a doctor, Doctor William Clark. You know, he was a special cancerless. Uh, blah, 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 blah. A cancer specialist of New York, Harumph, (laughs) and he took off and he left his family behind. And when he came back, craziness. His wife had gone nuts. The herd was dead. Sources said something from the forest attacked her and left her completely insane. Now, if you you look back at symptoms of lead poisoning and symptoms of mercury poisoning, you start seeing things. You start imagining things. That's why it's called insanity. She was completely stark raving mad when he came home. Now, now this is the wife of a professional. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't this isn't some slack jawed yokel. You know, I believe in everything, and you know, I'm you know, I'm completely oblivious to what's going on around me. This is someone that was a learned individual and his wife who brought bought property here, and she went mad. She was institutionalized. Something happened. Now, whether it was lead poisoning, mercury poisoning paranoia, you know, from being left alone. If you grew up your entire life and knew nothing of the, nothing but the city and you come out to the woods, every twig that snaps is a monster, you know, every <laughs> Which is enhanced by lead poisoning and mercury poisoning. Absolutely. So right there, you got story of why this town went kaput to begin with. And it's linked to a curse, whether or not it's a valid curse and actually happened. I mean, there's record of that. It, they were actually cursed. But again, you put your spin on that as you like. Let me ask you this. Now that uh, I'm sure there are, but are there a lot of reports of, of modern day hauntings and things like that? Or is the area just completely well, cut off from everybody? Well, see, this is the thing. Um, back when I was in high school, seems like forever ago, um, I actually did a report on Dudley Town and I, I did some fact searching and I read up on a couple of books and um, read accounts from people that had actually been back there. I don't put much stock in areas that have been proven to have some link to or physiological linkage to people going mad or things dying off. Most of the time, if you can find a link to something physical in the area, it's going to say, all right, this is what happened. You know, everybody died of lead poisoning or everybody died of mercury poisoning or everybody died of hysteria or whatever. Yeah. But in the same token – some of the stuff I read from people that had been out there that were, um, you know, naturalists and stuff, the place is pretty creepy. I mean, there's, you you know, when you get out to the road that leads to it, you hear wildlife. When you walk in there, it's quiet and it's eerily quiet. But again, that can lead to like the, the wildlife staying away from it because of poisoning because they know better. Most animals know better to stay away from an area. I don't know. You know, I would, I would, I have a friend of mine that went there and he camped out there and he was completely fine. No problem whatsoever. But again, he's an analytical mind Mm -hmm. and he knew what he was walking into. 
Now, I have another friend of mine that went camping there and was completely freaked out. Like stuff happened to them while they were there. And I know these people and I can vouch for their character. They're not crazy. The people that I talked to, one of these guys was genuinely freaked out, you know, and, and he's a level headed dude. When you walk into a place that you can hear a pin drop in the middle of the woods, something's not right. I mean, something definitely isn't right. And it's, is it the curse? I don't know. No, I would, I would say if you're, if you're someone who's so inclined to that line of thinking, then by all means, yes, it's the curse. If you walk in there with an analytical mind, you're going to find physical means to associate with what happened. But right. I mean, I, there's so much information here. I would, I would say for people to go and look at it because I can't, I cannot complete cover nearly half of what's being said well just so everybody knows you did put a link up on our facebook page and we do have a facebook page which is project archivist uh let's let's look up project archivist on facebook this one uh, right here it says dudley town connecticut and there's a map of dudley town that was posted two seconds ago that's going to be the one that i that i I, uh, took the, the information out of that i just relayed to you with the hyphen don't drink the water yeah exactly going to bring to the show tonight i found an interesting story on from the shadows.blogspot.com which is jason offit's blog me and lobo have mad amounts of respect for jason offit and we're eventually going to get him on the show here i'm a little in- nervous about interviewing him because he's one of these people that i think's been asked every question in the world and if we're going to interview somebody we're going to try to get somebody that's interesting and we're going to try to ask them questions that most people don't ask them and I think Offit's been asked probably every amount of question in the world, but I, by no means do I not want to interview him. So, The story that I found on his site is called The Nine Gates of Hell. And I'm going to do this story, read this one off, because it has to deal with TJ over at the 13 Skulls. So this is kind of my way of tilting my head to him, because he gave me more or less my start when I wanted to get into podcasting. He told me what recording program to get. He uh, let me record a few sections for his show. I record a piece on there called Anomalous. I'm still going to try to record Anomalous for his show. I'm not sure how often I'm going to get to them. And the other problem is when I was started recording them, they were three-minute pieces, and they became five, then they became 15, then they became 20. So now when I record stuff for his show, it's usually a drawn-out, in-depth piece. But All awesome, I might add. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So this is a t- story entitled The Nine Gates of Hell. It's showing on here as a posting date of Tuesday, May 17th, 2011. I'm not the greatest person at reading stuff right off of the screen, so if I stumble along here, forgive me a little bit. The Nine Gates of Hell wasn't the real name of the Crumbling Cemetery in Franklin County, Virginia. Its true name was posted, and the teens that visited the old yard in the dark of night didn't care enough to find out. TJ of Fort Worth, Texas, host of the 13 Skulls Paranormal Podcast, grew up in Virginia and visited the cemetery twice as a teenager. I dared not go back the third time, he said. 
The L-shaped cemetery is on a slope of a hill, surrounded by thick trees, and the lowest point of the cemetery sat at the house of the caretaker. The old man that owned the property would sit out on his porch at night, TJ said. He had a shotgun loaded with rock salt and would shoot anyone he noticed in the cemetery that he didn't have permission to be there. The first time TJ visited during the afternoon, he brought two friends. As they drove towards the caretaker's house, fear gripped the boys. After quite a while of talking, he eventually agreed, and we were allowed to walk through the cemetery, TJ said. However, it wasn't the meeting, the meeting with the caretaker that clawed their nerves. It was the cemetery. The cemetery was broken into nine separate sections, each separated with their other by small iron gates, he said. The ground was eroding and sinking around the caskets, which made them stick out of the ground at odd angles. Most of the tombstones were either leaning or falling over. It was like no other cemetery I'd ever seen. As the boys wandered the cemetery, surrounded by gnarled and leafless trees, they pushed open gate one, then gate two, then gate three. Then they lost their nerve. Lloyd went through the first three gates and nothing happened, other than a few feelings of being scared, cold, and getting goosebumps, TJ said. But goosebumps enough, they left. When May rolled around, they returned. The second time was around 11 p.m., TJ said. After getting permission to be there, we went in. The cemetery was different at night. We walked through the first two gates, taking an overall creepy nature of it all. He said, I started to feel like something, someone was watching me. As the boys walked further into the cemetery, their flashlights, the only illumination in the moonless night, they heard footsteps in the trees. As they approached the third gate and began to hear noises like something was walking in the woods, he said. At first I thought it was just an echo, but it continued until we got to the fourth gate. Once we crossed the fourth gate, the noises stopped. Silence dropped like a hammer. Moments later, a voice drifted through the cemetery. It sounded like something was talking in unintelligible words, he said. We could not tell where it was coming from. It seems as if it was all around us. They started moving again. Fourth gate. Fifth gate. Then something screamed. It sounded like a mixture of a scream of a small child, what you would think a banshee would sound like, TJ said. It was ear-piercing and t continued sporadically. One of TJ's friends ran back to the car. That left two of us to keep looking around, he said. We headed to the sixth gate, with the screaming, con the screaming continuing as we walked towards the back of the cemetery. I don't know about you, at this point, I'd be gone. I'd be like, all right, show's over, I'm done, I'm convinced, this is, you know, I've had enough, I'm gone at this point. See, not me. <laughs> yeah, go figure. A deep <laughs> rose. <laughs> yeah, let's go on, let's go, let's Absolutely. go evil, soul-eating creature. No, Absolutely. Lo, I think I'm good, Lobo. <laughs> I want a piece of that. <laughs> a deep growling rose into the night as the boy stepped through the sixth gate. As they went into the grounds beyond the seventh gate, the world went deaf. We looked at each other not knowing what was going on, he said. We figured that it sounds if the sound stopped, then we were safe and we could keep going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with TJ and his flashlight ahead of him, he knew they weren't safe. They weren't safe at all. We saw a black figure standing directly in front of us, he said. The figure was the darkest black you could imagine, almost like looking into oblivion. The boys couldn't move. This black figure was the darkest, most evil-looking thing I have ever seen. We stood there for what seemed like ten minutes when the dark figure started to move towards us. TJ's friend grabbed his arm and urgently hissed, We need to leave. The word, snapped, the word snapped TJ out of his trance. They turned and ran, occasionally chancing a glance, backwards glance, only to see the figure getting closer. The screaming started again, only this time it was louder and seemed to come from different places. My heart was beating 100, 120 miles per hour, and I kept looking back at the black figure that was now gaining on us was about 20 feet or so behind us. It was beginning to feel overwhelming, like it was going to pass out. When the boys burst in the first gate, running toward their car, the screaming stopped, the black figure disappeared. The caretaker sat on his porch waiting for them. The old man walked off his porch and yelled at us that now we know why we'll never come back and that we should tell everyone we knew to stay away. They dove into the car and tore away from the cemetery. Our friend told us on his way back to the car that the old man met him halfway and told him that there was an evil in this place and that his friends would be lucky to make it back, TJ said. He said he just sat in the car trembling, which we all were. That's pretty much it. That's where it ends.
Good stuff. Yeah, and uh, I he had told this story on another show a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So he sent it in to Jason, and Jason, being the cool guy that he is, posted it up on here. Jason's site is full of fantastic stories like this. So by all means, go check it out. It's from hyphen the hyphen shadows dot blogspot dot com. And he uh, I believe he updates it every week or something along those lines. Is it that often? I think it is. I believe no it kidding. is. Um, he does have a new book out called Paranormal Missouri. Show me your monsters. And hopefully we're going to get him <laughs> on the show to talk about that one. Yeah, right. Since we've covered two paranormal-oriented topics, uh, one of the fans of the show, which is kind of odd because we haven't actually released a show yet, posted (laughs) something up on the Project Archivist page about a real-life human battery, and I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a great story, and it's definitely the kind of thing that I want to throw on here. Lobo, you know the person or know the person? I do. I do. Okay. He's uh he's one of my peeps. His name's Keith Grabowski. I don't mm-hmm. know if I was supposed to throw it out there, but they're going to see his name on the on the site anyway on Facebook. If they're on there, if they go to the if they go to our page, they're, they're going to see his name. He's a good kid, real smart kid. Uh, is fascinated by um, anything and everything outside of the pal of the, the pale of normal. And he he was uh, gracious enough to uh, post this. This is his first post on our uh, our Facebook page. It's uh, the the gentleman's name is Slavisa Pedgkick. I'm glad you could pronounce that because I couldn't. (laughs) I could pronounce Lavisa, but Pajkik? Pajkik. Pajkik. See, that's the other thing. Keith is uh, Keith's Polish, so he uh, he he can roll some stuff off his tongue. That I, me being Puerto Rican, I've heard some out there names and stuff. I mean, I have names in my family that are out there. So what about Slavisa? So Slavisa is uh, he's known as the real life human battery, and that's the name of the article. He's from Serbia. It says Serbia's. Uh, now I'm going to mutilate this one. Pazarevic County is known as Battery Man for an amazing ability to withstand high voltage without getting hurt. Biba, as a friend, as friends know him, says electricity has no friends except for him. Apparently discovered his amazing capabilities when he was 17. He's been in an incredible relationship with electricity ever since. Voltages of over 50 volts can cause dangerous levels of electricity to flow through the human body. And that's precisely why your mother told you never to stick your fingers in a power outlet. But Slavisa can withstand a lot more. He actually set his first Guinness record in 1983 when he, oh, wow, when he took a hit of 20,000 volts like a champ. And 
It's got to be a champ to hit that. His second record dates back to 2003 when he was able to heat up a cup of water to 97 degrees Celsius in a minute and 37 seconds. How is he doing that? Is he just holding apparently he's apparently he is apparently he is or is he just plugging himself into the wall and using himself as a as a human coffee pot? I don't know. He's able to listen. This it gets better. Uh, Silvisa claims he can be an insulator, a conductor, and accumulator or a heater, <laughs> depending on the case. And so far, scientists haven't haven't been able to figure out exactly how he's doing all of these things. He can light up a light bulb, cook a sausage, and even set alcohol-soaked things ablaze with his body by storing or acting as a conductor for electricity. Some reports say that because of gen- of a genetic defect, of course, a mutant ability, <laughs> Silvisa Podkick has no sweat or salivary glands. Oh, wow. And scientists suspect current isn't really passing through his body, but passes on the outside of his skin, which acts as a natural insulator. You know what I think wow. about? I hear this. I think of Uncle Fester from, from the- Yeah, me too. And he's bald. The yes, dude's he looks, bald like he looks like He looks like Uncle Fester. Wow. When you guys go to the site, there's a picture of him sitting here with a gla- with, with a, a metal rod in his mouth with two wires running off of it. And he's lighting up a light bulb with his mouth. Wow. And then uh, further on down there, he's got a few other crazy posts where he does some really, really does. stuff. There's a little, he does. There's another little blurb here. It says, Battery Man was featured on numerous shows around the world and plans to set a third world record by charging on a million volt power generator and shooting laser from his finger. (laughs) This seems a little far-fetched, but Slavisa's abilities for real. And in the meantime, he's using them to help people suffering from migraine, sinus, and back problems. You know who I think of when I see this guy? All he needs is one of those little, like, rice paddy hats. Dude's raiding. <laughs> this dude's raiding. Mortal Kombat. That's what I'm saying. Well, if you'd like to contact us for our show, once we get things up and running, right now we do have a Project Archivist email. It's projectarchivist at gmail.com. We also do have a Google voicemail. The number is 734-681-0459. I do check it regularly, and so does Lobo. So if you uh, want to call us up or leave us some feedback or send us over some stories for the show, we'd be glad to check them out. We do use a lot of, well, we do plan on using a lot of listener submitted content mm-hmm. because it just makes our job that much easier. <laughs> and I am a big fan of giving people props when they send stuff in. Absolutely. So, you know, feel free to send it in. Well, I guess, uh, I guess that was it for our first primer episode to, uh, let people know what's up. I think there was more that I wanted to say, but I can't remember right now. Me and you just kind of threw this together quite literally on the fly. Yeah, right. So, you know. Hey, there's always tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going to try to have the show out every week, every week to two weeks. I can't 100% promise that, but we will deliver you guys a show. We are going to try to have interviews. And as time goes on, we're going to get our act together a little bit better and we will get things flowing a lot more. But as I said, this was just a test to see how things work, get everything going, trust the equipment out, test the equipment, I should say. We're waiting for iTunes to give us the okay on the feed. And in the meantime, you guys can download the stuff from the website. So, uh, well, I guess this is Rojan. Thanks for showing up. And this is Lobo to a better tomorrow. Peace out. Peace.
they drove. They dove. <laughs> Thank God I can edit. They dove. <laughs> the editing software is for because this ain't going to make it into the show. <laughs> oh, come on. 